a trio of short ghost stories from an otherwise beautiful part of the country. And then I tell you about one of my own personal ghost hunting experiences and how it almost ended in tragedy today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. I'm, I always say I'm having a great day. Mentally, I'm having a great day. I'm in a lot. I woke up, man. I was sore. My, my leg hurts. My back hurts. My neck hurts. I don't know what I was doing in my sleep last night, but man, everything is just super stiff. I've been using some CBD salve. You know, it has like the THC and the CBD in it. Everyone's like, oh, it's perfect. It's so great. You just put it on your skin and all your pain instantly goes away. It's a great... It's okay. It's okay. There's my sales pitch for it. It's just not... It's not what I thought it was going to be. thought it was going to be a little bit stronger. But, you know, it's, I guess any, any port in a storm, right? So, as I twist and turn my body trying to work out the kinks, let's go ahead and get started with the first story here. Now, the first story, we're still in Ghost Week, so we got some cool ghost stuff for you. And the first story is we are going to Santa Barbara County. Now, Santa Barbara County is in California, and that's pretty much all of the intro I'm going to give it to you because I don't want to get into the history of Santa Barbara County because it's not really that interesting. It might be, I don't know. But, actually, was there a St. Barbara? I thought Barbara was a woman's name. And I thought saints were men. Hmm, maybe I should look into that. But I'm not going to right now. We're going to take a look at a couple stories here. One of them is terrifying. Actually, no, two of them are terrifying, and one of them is tragic on a metaphysical level. So, first we're going to visit Santa Cruz Island. So we're going to hop in the Dead Rabbit rowboat. You take an oar, I take an oar. Eight hours later, we end up on this island that's like two miles (laughs) off the coast. And we're here... And we're here because we were told a interesting story. So back in the 1800s, Santa Cruz Island was a Chinese colony. And one of the best things about having access to Santa Cruz Island for the Chinese is that it was full of abalone. Now, in Asia, abalone is considered one of those like medicinal slash mystical foods that if you eat it, it actually like helps keep you young, if not reverse the aging process. There was a ton of it there. Chinese people would go out and harvest abalone, which I believe is some sort of clam type of thing. Albacore is a fish, and I think abalone is a clam, and bologna is lunch meat. But anyways, they weren't. They, bologna hadn't been invented yet, I don't think. So they were. They were like, well, they won't eat that. That doesn't make you younger, even though it has tons of salt and should preserve you. But so they're getting that. Was, what? What did I? That joke failed like three minutes ago, and I just kept pushing it. Anyways, they're getting abalone, and this one particular guy, he was out there in the water. In, like in between the rocks is where the little abalones were, and he sees this massive abalone little dude hanging out between these two big rocks, and he's like, "Ching!" Like his tongue stuck out, and his eyes lit up with little dollar signs. And he's like, "Aruga!" And he sticks his hand in between the two boulders, and he grabs onto the abalone, and he's like, "Dude, I got my family fed for like a week, and I don't even have a family, so I can feed myself for a month." But he can't pull it out; it's too big, and he tries and tries and tries. And he's like, okay, I'm going to have to figure out another way to do this. So he lets go of the abalone shell and tries to pull his hand out, and his hand is stuck. Now, he's not, like, standing on the beach and, like, bent over. He's halfway in the water, and his hand is in between these rocks. And tide is rising. So he begins screaming for help. Help! Help me! 
I, I need help, but not to find this giant abalone shell that I just found. It doesn't exist. It's not here. Just help me, and I'll come back later for the abalone shell. Now, other people may have thought, what? But there was no one around to hear him. No one around to hear his pleas for help and to ignore the giant abalone shell where he's at. So he sat there for a while, or stood there for a while, panicking, sweating, but he couldn't tell he was sweating because he was already wet. And, (laughs) I don't know if that's how that works, but do swimmers sweat? That's actually an interesting question. Or does the water just cool your body down? Do they actually sweat? I don't know. He's reaching into the two rocks and his hand gets stuck. And the tide is rising and he's like, no one's going to come to my help. No one can hear me. I have to do something. Now he straight up pulls out his little knife, which I can't imagine was like a straight up machete. I imagine it was like a little abalone like carving knife. But whatever it was, he was like, I got to cut my own hand off. Now that is a, that's a survival mechanism that I don't know if most people have. I think most people would keep trying and trying and trying until it was too late. But every so often, someone will be like, yeah, I just cut my own arm off. They're like, yeah, I reached into the fridge and I got to reach the milk. So I just cut my arm off. Like some people can just have that mechanism to like do that. I don't know if I could. But anyway, so his hand was stuck. The tide is rising. He uh, uh, starts cutting his hand off. I'm assuming he probably broke it first because you can't really cut through the bone. He probably broke his wrist and then cut his hand off and then finally got it free. Ugh. And as he lifted his hand up and looked at his bloody stump, he heard the unmistakable sound of an abalone laughing at him. And he looked into the water and it began to eat his hand. (laughs) That part didn't happen, but that would have been cool. Actually, it might have because, anyways, the guy, actually, it might have. The guy stumbling around with the bloody stump being like, oh, okay, I'm free. Now I just need to get back to anywhere to get this patched up. He walks a bit on the beach dies of blood loss. Most likely passes out due to shock and then dies of blood loss on the beach. They never find the hand. So that's why I'm saying the abalone may have eaten it. But now we're in this year, 2019. We're standing on the shoreline, far away from the water. I keep, don't. I see you looking for that abalone, dude. Do not stick your hand in there. You're like, look at me sheepishly. I'm like, "Mm mm-mm, no. Sometimes at night, people say they can see the ghost of that Chinese abalone farmer. I think they're called farmers, not fishermen, because they're not like fishing. And abalone's not a fish, but sometimes late at night, you'll see the specter of that Chinese abalone farmer wandering the beach, still looking for his hand. Just holding up a stump, being like, where's my taily po? I mean, where's my hand? where's my hand? He doesn't say that. And if he did say it, it would be in Chinese. So we wouldn't know he was saying it anyways, unless you happen to be Chinese. But I wouldn't know he was saying that. So I always, I I read this story a while ago, and it's one of those creepy stories where it's like the screaming head we covered an episode back. Where just, it's bad enough being a ghost, being dead and having to haunt something, but to be an incomplete ghost, I think would be more tragic. Because you can't even like play like Ghost Nintendo or something like that. Like, When ghosts aren't haunting places, where do they go? There must be some sort of rec room or something, and he can't even indulge in the activities there. They're all playing ping pong. It's not a racist joke. Wait, do you need two hands to play ping pong? Wait, no, you don't. He can play ping pong. Still not a racist joke. Okay, let's go ahead. As you look at me suspiciously, you're like, that was kind of racist. No, 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 just ping pong hopped in my head. Let's go. Let's go. Forget that. Forget the ping pong Asian reference. And let's just go, now we're going to Gaviota Beach. As we're walking away, you notice I'm putting a hand in my pocket. Did you find that? No, no, no. No, the ghost is like, hey, bring that back. 
But I'm like, I can't understand him because he's speaking Chinese. So now we're going to Gaviota Beach. There's a campground. A very, very brief reference to this place. There's a campground. Okay. Not particularly scary, except when it's nighttime. So you have like a little campground, a little cleared out area where people can put up their tents, park their RVs, and surrounded by woods. And then I guess water on some side because there's a beach. And late at night, you can hear the sound of a little girl crying. (laughs) Now, what's more terrifying than one little girl crying in the middle of the night? Two little girls crying in the middle of the night because you actually hear the sound of two different girls at the same time. I mean, that's terrifying. But what's more terrifying than hearing two little girls crying in the middle of the night? No, not three little girls. Seeing them, sometimes these two little girls will appear in the area crying. They're both wearing just little nightgowns. That's so scary. Like, if they were dressed up, if they looked like they were going to a party, they were, like, in a little Oshkosh bagosh little outfits, little overalls and stuff like that, and they were crying, that would be slightly less scary. Because then you're like, well, if they're on their way to a play date. But two little girls crying in nightgowns in the darkness is something so terrifying about it because it's so innocent. Ugh, it's so creepy. If I mean, if you're going to die, here's a tip, guys. If you don't want to be a super scary ghost in the future, if you're going to die, dress up. Not in, like, Elizabethan clothes because, you know, that's pretty common. It's pretty tacky. But, you know, I don't know. If you're like, oh my god, I think I'm going to die, and I feel that my ghost is going to stay here, go put on some, like, get out of your sweats. Put on a nice, put on a little, like, third eye blind shirt and some pressed jeans. I guess that would work if you're in the 90s. Okay, today, just put on a nice pressed shirt. You're all put, put on a dress shirt as you're, like, bleeding to death. Your soul's, like, trying to leave the body as you're trying to button your shirt. Dress up. You'll be less scary. If you want to be super scary, take off all your clothes and be a naked ghost. Being underwear ghost is quite scary as well, and then pajama ghosts are quite terrifying as well. No one knows who the little girls are. No one knows why they're crying or what they're doing there. There's just these sightings of these two little girls in the darkness wearing nightgowns crying through the middle of the night. That's terrifying to me. But now we're going to go to Lompoc, California. So So we have the Chinese guy with the tragic death. We have the mystery of the two crying girls. Now we're going to go to one that would is probably like the least scary, but the most terrifying. In Lompoc, California, according to legend, this young boy hung himself in a bathroom, which we'll get to that in a second. According to the story, this young boy hung himself in the bathroom, and now his ghost haunts the bathroom. Now, being a ghost trapped in a bathroom, again, it's a measure of degrees, being a ghost trapped in the bathroom can be very inconvenient. You can't watch TV. You can't, like, stand over people as they're playing video games. What are you going to move around in the bathroom? You can, like, move the, remove the labels of pill bottles, and people are like, hmm, Viagra, and it's really, like, high doses of fentanyl. I mean, you could do that. And then you'd have a ghost buddy in your bathroom, and it would get really crowded, but there's not a lot you could do. People are like, you know, like, at least in the living room, you can turn lights on and off. What do you want to do in the bathroom? I guess you could turn the light on and off, but you jiggle the handle. The ghost is constantly jiggling the handle. But it's not just a bathroom, it is a public restroom. So again, far, far worse, because now, instead of just haunting a bathroom, that's probably being used, maybe, depending on the size of the family, three or four times a day. You're in a public restroom, it's being used all the time. Every time someone comes in there, 
takes a dump, pisses on the floor, whatever gross things that people do in public bathrooms because they don't have to clean them up. That ghost is just like, oh, <laughs> I'd rather smell the sulfur furnace of hell, but I'm trapped here. And people are just taking massive dumps. And you're like, oh, trying to do a courtesy flesh. You're trying to like shake the handle to flesh it down, but it's just not working. And to make things worse, it's not just any public bathroom. It's not the public bathroom of a law firm. It's not the public bathroom. I guess a public bathroom of a hospital would be pretty bad because people are like pooping out blood and mucus. And they're like, oh, I should have went to see my doctor before I went to the bathroom. But it's not like a fancy smancy bathroom. It is a bathroom of a Burger King. So this young boy, for the rest of eternity, is trapped in a bathroom of a Burger King restaurant in Long Park, California. That is where his soul is doomed to eternally wander. People are just sitting there eating Whopper after Whopper after Whopper and then being like, oh, why don't I feel good? I, I usually eat six Whoppers. Today I only had five. I shouldn't And then... Running into the bathroom and sitting down and that ghost boy is just like, I mean, eventually I think, well, the thing is with the bathroom, he'd get used to it. Like the dude would take a dump and the ghost would be like, oh my God, that's totally smelly. But then after a couple minutes, the ghost would be like, I'm used to it now. And he's like reading the daily ghost newspaper. And then another guy would come in and he'd just eaten one of their quote unquote salads. Do they even have salads at Burger King? But you know, one of the healthy options and that dude's is even worse. And The ghost is like, oh my god, please, I just want to go to hell. I just want to go anywhere else but here. Trapped in a bathroom forever. However, I do have to say, next time you're in a public... The the story, you could say, Jason, you're making fun of a kid who killed himself. Next time you go into a public bathroom, I want you to look around and see if there's anywhere you could hang yourself from. I don't think that the... I don't think the bathroom in reality is haunted, and I doubt anyone actually killed themselves there. That's why I feel free to make these jokes. But... If it is real, then I'm sorry. I just, when I read that, I was like, like, where did he hang himself from? There's really not, I mean, he would have to be a little boy, like a, a, well, okay, now we're getting grim, now we're getting grim. So yes, Chinese fishermen, two young girls lost in the woods, a boy trapped in a Burger King restroom, Humpty Hump is having sex in there, he's like, ah, I thought it was just a line in a song, I didn't know it was based on truth. Anyway, so those are the ghosts of Santa Barbara County. I'm sure the tourist board will love me now that I've covered them. But let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Now, you know, it's funny. I want to read this quote here real quick. And it's really kind of cheesy in a sense, but I think it's really true. I think it's really true. And it kind of plays into this story. Your future self is watching you right now through your memories. So what we do now, what we do now, eventually we're going to look back on and go, I remember that time in my life I was doing that thing. And it's a good motivator, actually, because it makes you think, you know, in 10 years, I want to look back at this time in my life and go, I was really productive and I was really making the best of things. But this story involves a particular memory. Now, back and we're going back to Sacramento, back where I was doing all my ghost hunting stuff. And I had my book, The National Directory of Haunted Places, that I'd always go through. And we did a bunch of ghost hunting around in the area. There's a place in El Dorado County called the Greenwood Cemetery. And it's so funny because the description of the ghost was super vague, but I really, really wanted to see it because it's so funny. All it is is there is a ghost in Greenwood Graveyard, apparently, I have no proof of this, with giant hands. So I just imagine it's a guy with big old balloon hands, like he's wearing Mickey Mouse gloves. He runs around the graveyard and he chases off vandals. That was the only description that I had heard. I had heard another story that the road to El Dorado County, not the, not the Disney movie, but the road to El Dorado County, there was actually a ghost in the bushes along the road that would cause traffic accidents. 
And I didn't want to meet that one, but I had heard that. I don't remember if I had read that somewhere or if someone had told me that. But one night, me, it was me, my buddy Nick, my friend Dana, she was in the story when I talked about how a ghost made it so no one could hear what I was saying. I think it was called and no one can hear you scream. That might have been the episode, but so it was me, my friend Nick, Dana, good friend of mine. Then there was another guy and I don't remember his name. We're going to call him Tex for now, but he was kind of a tag along and we had just gone off work and got, we worked at Godfather's Pizza in Antelope. It's not there anymore. And you know, we're a bunch of, bunch of kids. We were all, I was in my twenties. I think they were all a little bit younger than me. And I said, Hey, let's just on a lark because it was like one in the morning and nothing else to do. Well, let's drive up to Greenwood Graveyard, and we'll see if we can find that ghost. And I, I've, it, we had talked about ghost hunting before. I'd gone on ghost hunts with some of them. They're like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. So we all pile in my car. At the time, I think I was driving a Renault station wagon, which, fun note, I bought it at a garage sale. You couldn't get parts for it because it was, like, imported from France. And it was all-wheel drive, which once I confused for four-wheel drive and <laughs> took it off-roading and almost drove into a creek because I couldn't stop it in time. But anyway, so we had the Renault station wagon. I'm driving, Nick's in the passenger seat, Dana and Tex are in the back. We're driving up to El Dorado County. It's probably, if I remember correctly, like an hour and a half, two-hour journey or something like that. Maybe not that far. Maybe it's like an hour journey. But we were driving up, and I had never driven in the mountains before. This is, again, a, a story about the perils of ghost hunting and being very, very unprepared to hunt ghosts. And just basic common sense. So we leave Antelope around 1 in the morning, and I have a half a tank of gas. And I've always grown up in urban environments. So we all pile in the Renault. We start headed up to El Dorado County. Now, we start driving up the mountain. It's dead of night. We get there. It's probably now like two. We're driving up the mountain. And that's when I'm like, uh, I'm running out of gas. Like, I only have, right now, I have maybe a quarter tank of gas. And we're not even to the top of where we need to go. And then we have to go downhill. But I'm thinking, oh, you know, it'll just we'll just stop at a gas station at the bottom of the mountain. But I'm watching my gauge, watch my gas gauge. And at one point, Nick looks over and he goes, dude, you're running out of gas, man. And I was like, no, we'll get it, go to a gas station when we get into town. He looks at me, he's like, dude, you've, this is a small town. They don't have 24-hour gas stations. What do you think? We're going to be stuck here. We're going to be stuck in town. I was like, don't worry about it. We'll get there somehow. There has to be a gas station open. He's like, no, you, you're a city boy. You don't understand. Most places don't have 24-hour gas stations. So at this point, I'm starting to worry. And I'm thinking, okay, here's, the, here's what we can do. We can turn around right now and hope we have enough gas. Because it's kind of wilderness area. We can turn around right now and hope we have enough gas to get back to civilization. We can go down the mountain. And worst case scenario, we stay there until morning when a gas station opens. Because I knew I had enough gas to get down the mountain. And I said, okay, we're just, we'll go down the mountain. Maybe there'll be something open. If there's not, we'll just wait around. And everyone's like, oh, okay, you know. Because we're just chatting, having fun. So now we're driving down a mountain. Again, I have never driven up or down a mountain before. And we're coming down the mountain, and I'm riding my brakes. Because I'm trying to regulate my speed. The car keeps speeding up, so I have my foot on the brake. And I'm riding the brake almost all the way down the mountain. Which I found out in hindsight is not something to do. And I'm watching that fuel gauge. And I'm now I'm starting to get nervous. Because I'm thinking, I'm asking you, how much farther do we get there? And they're like, 30 minutes. And I'm like, ugh. If I had fueled up in the beginning, it would have solved that problem. Not the problem that's coming up, but it would have solved that problem. So we're coming down this deserted mountain road in the middle of the night. Nobody knows where we're at. This is before cell phones. So this was like 98, 99. Like cell phones existed, but only wealthy people had them or drug dealers. Coming down the hill. The mountain, I mean. 
So we're coming down the mountain, and at one point, Nick is just kind of leaning his head out the passenger window, and he sees something, and he goes, he's thinking, why is Jason, why did Jason turn on his turn signal? And he didn't, he doesn't say anything. And he's just still kind of looking, and he sees this light coming from the back of the car, and he's like, thinking, he, and he turns to me, he goes, Jason, is your turn signal on? And I was like, no, why? And he goes, he looks out the window, and he sees flame shoot out from the underneath from underneath the hubcap like the rim like you know they have little holes in the hubcap flame shoots out and he goes dude your car's on fire your car's on fire and i'm like oh and at that point i hit the brakes and i can't stop my brake my back brake had caught on fire now this was really this was a really weird part of the story maybe two or three years before i was living at my grandma's house and I was watching, I, I no, my grandma was watching The New Adventures of Lois and Clark, that Superman show. And I had come home from work. It was my great-grandma, Grandma McGee. She's sitting in the living room. She's watching the show. I walk in through the door. I'm like, hey, Grandma. And without anything, she says, Jason, if you ever can't, I swear to God, this story is 100% true. It is so bizarre. I walk in and she doesn't say hi or anything. She turns, she must have just seen this happen on television. But she turns to me and she goes, Jason, if you ever can't stop your car, shut it off like if you're ever driving and you can't stop your car you pull the emergency brake you hit the brake it's not working just shut it off your car will roll to a stop well she just goes back to watching television and i was like that was weird it's a weird thing to say to someone when they walk in the room but that saved our lives because i'm coming down that mountain my brakes aren't working they're all overheated one's on fire i pull the emergency brake we're still coming down this hill i Shut it off. I don't remember if I was able to throw it into park, but I was... How did I get... I, somehow I got the car to shut off. And we did... Then we just coasted. We started to come in where the mountain kind of kind of had a little bit of a level. And I just coasted into someone's driveway. They had one of those big houses in the middle of the woods with a driveway that was so long you couldn't even see the house. I just saw this driveway from the glow of my headlights. And I shut the car off and we just glided in and stopped. And I was like, my first thought was, thanks, Grandma. We jump, me and Nick jump out of the car. Tex jumps out of the car. And Dana is stuck in the car. For whatever reason, I don't remember if her door didn't work or something like that. But Tex jumped out of the back seat and ran away. Me and Nick jumped out. And we see Dana banging on the door. We don't know what's going to happen with the car. We don't know if it's going to blow up. We open it. Oh, oh, here's an interesting thing about Tex. Me and Nick were talking the whole time. And Dana would chime in every once in a while. But Dana was stuck in the back seat with Tex. All Tex ever did was work out his, his uh, forearms. And every so often when we were driving, I'd look in the rearview mirror to like respond to something Dana was doing, and I would just see Tex staring at his forearms. That was the only muscle he worked out was his forearms. But he would just stare at him all day long, talk about his forearms all day long. He was, he was a weirdo. But we get out. I look in. The other brakes are cooling down, but the one brake is on fire. You can actually see it. It's red hot. There's fire coming out of it. I thought brakes were made of asbestos and were completely fireproof. We're in the middle of nowhere. We have no cell phones, and my car's on fire, and I look at Nick. Nick looks at me and I go, dude, let's just, let's just piss on it. We got no water. Let's just piss on it. So we pull our dicks out and we pee through the little hubcap holes onto the brake. And this giant cloud of piss steam (laughs) totally just toxified the entire area. And you could say it was cold out. So you could see just all this (laughs) smoke come up. We did put the fire out. We ended up walking to the house. Up the driveway, three in the morning, knocking on the door. 
saying, hey, we are looking for ghosts. Their car broke down, caught on fire. And I remember the guy being like, they caught it. The brake caught on fire. I was like, I didn't know it was even possible. But so anyways, they come out. We use their phone, their cordless phone, which was high tech back then. We call a tow truck. The tow truck is like, where do you guys want to go? And we're like antelope. And he's like, dude, that's like an hour and a half away. And I was like, well, that's where we're at. And, you know, if we can get it back there, I can work on the car. So we load, it was crazy. We all got, we loaded the car up. He's like, okay, drive your car into the back of the tow truck. I get my car locked up. But he doesn't have enough room for four people in his cab. He has enough room for two other people. And there's four of us. So he says, tell you what, I'll let two of you ride in the car in the back of the, like we're on the tow truck. I'll let two of you, if you're not supposed to do it, but I don't know what else I'm going to do. You two can hang out in the car that's being towed, and then I can take two people in the in the cab. But now, me and Nick were like, "Oh, we'll take the we'll take the car and we'll take the tow truck." We made Dana hang out with Tex longer in the cab, and he towed us all the way back to Antelope. And at one point, Dana hopped out of the cab, got into the Renault station wagon, also on the back of it, and we we stopped at the gas station, got a bunch of snacks and stuff like that. I bought him some food. Obviously, we paid him for the tow trip. Takes it to my buddy's house, drops it off. I realized that I had left the car running that whole time. Now it was completely out of gas. Once I drove onto the tow truck, I never shut the car off again. And I dropped it. We dropped it off my buddy's house. Not only do I have deformed brakes that I had to sand down, but I also had no gas. So Jason, why did you tell us that rambling story that almost had nothing to do with ghosts? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One, it really does highlight being prepared for a ghost hunt. I'll have people email me from time to time and they'll say like, hey, we're planning on going to this ghost hunt. We're planning on going legend tripping. We're planning on looking for this cryptid. And I encourage that. But the thing I always say is be safe. Be safe and prepare. Nowadays, you have things like cell phones and GPS and things like that. But you have to be prepared for the worst case scenarios. Now you're thinking, Jason, yes, putting gas in your car is not a worst case scenario. That is a normal day scenario. And fair enough. But I've also always wondered, the car was doing fine coming down that mountain and everyone i told this story to when i told them the part about the brakes literally not just some of them just got hot but one of them was shooting out flames i'll tell the story to people and they go that's that's not that that can't happen brakes are made out of a special material that doesn't catch fire and i was like i'm just telling you what i saw now they may catch fire so rare that people don't think they catch fire but i've told this story to multiple people and they're like they didn't catch fire. And I was like, there's multiple witnesses there. Nick saw the flame. I saw the flame. And then once Dana and Tex got out, they also saw the flames. They caught fire. I wonder if that incident was caused by that ghost in the bushes. I wonder, because we were in the area, in the general vicinity where I had heard that story of the ghost in the bushes who causes car accidents. We were in that general area. I wonder... It would be so easy. We talk about ghosts like shutting lights off and moving books and stuff like that. But if a ghost really wanted to do some damage to people, like a true vengeful spirit, they're not going to flick your light off or shut off your cable or, you know, have your washer machine untangled. They're going to use that same minor amount of power as you're driving down a dark road late at night. Who knows? But I never went back up there. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Hey.